The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right, good music this morning. <clears throat> Jeremy said I do, I do that every week, so I've been checking myself. And he's right, I guess I do <clears throat> clear my throat. He said I always have to drop that out of our recording. Uh, so let's get some lights on in here. I, I don't make sure everybody don't go to sleep on me this morning. <clears throat> We've been talking uh, over the last uh, several weeks about joy and about uh, specifically the last two or three weeks about things that kill our joy and things that rob us of our joy. Uh, last week, uh, I thought we were a little low on attendance because uh, it was the weekend before school started. We're a little lower today, so I hope next week we'll get back in the swing of things. And uh, we'll be finishing up our kind of our series on joy next week. And uh, so this morning, if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, as we think about things that rob our joy, uh, there's a lot of things that rob us of joy. Now, it, it, not necessarily just spiritual things. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever went to your favorite restaurant, and uh, this happened to me, and uh, we ate breakfast at this place in Paris, and I won't tell you where it's at, uh, but we were talking about, man, they, they just make a great breakfast here. They just make a great breakfast. They just make a great breakfast here. And so we're, we're eating, and then a big old ro- roach, cockroach, comes up the wall and starts crawling over our table, and that kind of robbed us of our joy. <laughs> so I said, well, what's one roach in the scheme of things? So... Before we were through there, we'd probably spotted 20, <laughs> so we quit eating there. Uh, this was several years ago, and uh, it's a little breakfast cafe over there. You probably never eat there, so don't worry about it. If you really want to know, you come up afterwards, and I'll tell you where it's at. Uh, the, the thing that's kind of funny to me, and uh, just thinking about how happiness and joy, I understand there's something different. I like to go... Uh, to the to the auto races, Denise and I, we've done that all our life. Uh, like to cause a divorce one time, that's true, and I can tell you that story later. Some of you may have heard it, but uh, I was really involved with a race car, and uh, so I still like to go, and she likes to go, and uh, our kids like to go, and we'll go over on Saturday night sometime and uh, stay and watch the races and get home at one or two in the morning and here for church and all of those things. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, there's the reason I think I like to go is there are some rednecks over there at the races. This is, I mean, you may think I'm in that category, but there are some that put me to shame over there. And, uh, we set up on the very top and I love to watch people. I mean, they're just nuts. You know, they're just, uh, uh, they're just rednecks. They can't help themselves. And a, a few weeks ago, we were over there, and uh, there was a... You go a couple of times, you know the good cars and the bad cars, you know. You know the good drivers and the bad drivers. And so uh, we always choose our car, you know. We'll say, well, I think so-and-so is going to win, and I think so-and-so is Well, this particular race started, and uh, one of the cars that's never hardly ever successful... Uh, was back in the pack, and uh, some of the leaders was right up front, and uh, there was a huge wreck. And most of the time in dirt track racing, there's a big wreck, and one car may go out. But in this particular case, 
uh, I would say the top seven or eight cars all was, were, were rendered unavailable, however you want to put that. They were wrecked out, and it, it probably took... Uh, it probably took 30 minutes to get them all off the track, and what had happened is right at the end of the straightaway, one of them had kind of got sideways. That's where they're at their most speed, and they were just running into each other and tearing things. Well, this, this one car that's never successful ends up in first place, you know. Well, on the front row, there's a bunch of rednecks sitting there, men and women. I'm talking about muscle shirts and tube tops and... <laughs> and uh, it would be like me wearing a tube top if that explains anything to you. So, uh, so they're standing in front of all the stands, and they're they're walking down to the the fence at the track, and they're going, "Yeah, yeah, you got it. You know, you're number one." And and they got Red Bulls, <laughs> and they're turning around to Red Bulls, and going, "Yeah, you know, they're just they're just celebrating." And uh, we're all going, oh, my goodness, how embarrassing it is. You know, this one guy, he, he stands at the fence, and he sees him coming. He goes, go, oh, you know, and then he red bulls it up there to everybody. And two laps, what happened? That car just went, <laughs> it just died out there. And, uh, and the guy at the fence went, what happened? What happened? And they were all standing up, what happened? And one of them had their cell phone out, and was, I guess the driver was supposed to pull his phone out and go, we're dead, you know, I mean, I don't know. But, but uh, it was hilarious because they went, literally, all of them were standing, cheering and, and running to the fence and, and going, we got this, to sitting on the front just looking at the ground. Just like that. I mean, they got their joy robbed, in a, just a second. Now that's happiness too, but but to see, and I was thinking about that this morning, and 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 it was hilarious because I I told it probably wasn't hilarious to them, but I told Denise I said, boy, that is a picture, isn't it? They went from singing and jumping and turning around to the crowd and and saying, well, we've got this one wrapped up, to literally just staring at the ground from a pew. Well, I mean from the from the bench down there. The, the next week we went back and uh, Jacob and JC and uh, some other folks went with us and I was showing them the folks. I said, watch those people. They're hilarious. You know, they're, they're better than the races. Uh, but, but fear can rob us. I mean, uh, things can rob us of our joy. Y'all know what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, a lot of different things. So we're going to talk about fear today and, uh, and we're talking about spiritual joy now. Now that... That joy or that happiness that we were talking about this morning was just kind of get us thinking about things that, that can rob us of our, of our uh, happiness or our joy each day, but, but things spiritually that really can rob us uh, of our joy, and one of them is fear, and that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. So today, if you're over in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going we're gonna to talk about fear, and, and I want you to complete this, this sentence in your mind... Fear is what? Now, now with that, what I want you to be doing is I want you to think about something that you may fear. Now, you may not have anything today that you fear, but fear is whatever it may be. I, I heard a story about the, this little boy, and it was thunderstorming one night, and uh, the mother went to tuck him in, and she tucked him in, and 
she was about to turn off the light, and a little trembling voice said, Mama, uh, will you stay with me tonight? And, and the mother smiled and gave him a, a hug and, and a kind of a reassuring uh, kiss and said, Well, I can't, dear, because I sleep in Daddy's room at night. And, and uh, he sat there after a few moments of silence and said, That big old sissy. <laughs> Uh, you know, there, there are things that, that we're afraid of, aren't there? I mean, there's things sometimes that, that just rob us of the joy. I can't even pronounce a lot of these, but I found some phobias that some doctor or some psychologist or some psychiatrist has named, and uh, they're just, to me, they're, they're, uh, there's a bunch of them, cyberphobia, Y'all can figure that out, right? The fear of computers. Uh, so there's a there's a folks that actually say there you have that cyberphobia. They are scared of computers. Uh, ecclesiastophobia, the fear of church. Lunaphobia, a fear of the moon. Isn't that ridiculous? Astrophobia, a fear of lightning. Chromatophobia, a fear of money. If you find a woman that's got that, marry her, you know, because that, that's it. Uh, amen? amen. No, I, <laughs> all the single men said amen. Uh, uh, eruthophobia, the fear of the color red. Homilyphobia, the fear of sermons. And I'm not even going to try to say this one. T-R-S-K-A-I-D-E-K-A phobia. That's a fear of the number 13. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> But somebody has named this uh, philophobia, the fear of baldness. <laughs> and uh, here's the greatest one. Uh, phobophobia is a fear of fear. <laughs> so somebody's actually, somebody probably, probably credited to be pretty smart has come up with these ideals about all of these phobias. Why? Because people come to them. And they say, I have a fear. And they start talking and trying to figure out how to help this person. And they, they say, well, you have this phobia. You have this fear. And it's serious. I mean, some of these may, may cause us to laugh. And some of us, some of us say, well, that is ridiculous. And uh, to be scared of a number 13, who's ever heard of such a thing? But, but for us, too often, there's things that we fear. And, and honestly, as Christians, the things that we fear, we shouldn't fear. We know from our minds, unless you are scared of the number 13 here this morning, that there's nothing to be afraid of if we have the number 13. And I think that's primarily talking about Friday the 13th and things like that. But, but for most of us, we know there's nothing to fear there. Uh, you know, the, the fear of, of the color red, for most of us, we, we know there's nothing really to fear there. But wherever, whatever word we put in our blank this morning, fear is then for us, we can say, you know, that, that is a real fear. That is, that is something that, that's beyond my control. That's, that's something that, that I, I have a fear of, and I worry about those things, and I'm scared of those things happening. Too often, we, we, are, we, we fear for things that are beyond our control, and, and we could say the same thing about worry. We worry about things that, that really aren't even real, I mean, death is real, but some people have this fear of death and they, they live their life afraid of dying. 
There's other fears. Some people are, are uh, afraid of commitment or rejection, and, and they have that fear. Some, some people fear their, their children are going to grow up and get hurt, and that, that's all they can think about. And they, they just live under that constant fear. So whatever that fear may be, some people may fear they're going to wake up and, and uh, have cancer one day. So, so every day that, that, that just consumes their life. So whatever fear that may be, let's, let's kind of summarize those things this morning and look at those things this morning. Let's see what the Bible has to say about fear. And to do that, I want us to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at some things of how we can fight fear. And y'all all know this story about, uh, about David and about Goliath, and, and I'm not going to read that whole chapter. If you want to read it while I'm up here talking, that's fine. But, but just to kind of recap what's happening is the Philistines have, have came down, and they're, they're having a battle. It's kind of funny the way battles were. They, uh, they're, they're, they just set up a time and said, okay, we're going to meet in this valley, and we're going to have a battle. And this battle is going to be, if we win, we're going to take over. If y'all win, y'all are going to take over. So they, they've planned this battle out, and they're all there together. Of course, we know what happens. David has three brothers that's in the, that's in the battle, and, and his dad kind of wants to know what's going on. So he, he says, David, I want you to take this food down to your brothers, and I have some cheeses. I want you to take them to the commander. And, and while you're there, look around, find out how your brothers are doing. Find out how the battle's going. And, and so as David shows up, we see Goliath on the scene, and, and Goliath is nine foot tall. That's tall, folks. That's, that's way on up there. And, and nine foot tall, he's got 125 pounds of armor on. He's got a, a spear that weighs 15 pounds. And, and every day he goes out for the, the, the Israelites and he challenges them. So what he did is he said, you know, instead of all of your army fighting all of our army, you send your guy to me. Me and him will fight it out, and, and whoever wins, the winner takes all. So this goes on for 40 days. Think about that. That's a long time. That's nearly a month and a half. This giant comes before the Israelites, and he, he, he challenges God's people. He challenges God's chosen. Now, with that, I want you to know this. You are God's chosen if you're a born-again Christian. The Bible says we didn't choose God. He chose us, and He calls us in His Holy Spirit. So if you've answered the call of God, and you've confessed that you need a Savior, and you've confessed your sins, and you've asked Christ to come into your heart, you're a chosen child of God. Just like the, just like the children of Israel, they were God's chosen people. So this giant, whatever it was, and whatever it may be in our life, he comes to us day after day after day. He came to the children of Israel day after day after day, and he issued a challenge. And in the challenge, they were terrified. It it literally paralyzed them. These are warriors. These are folks in the army. These are folks that are equipped with shields and swords and training. They had all the things that, that God's people needed to have. Doesn't that sound familiar for us? Doesn't the Bible say we're to put on the full armor of God that we'll be able to withstand the, the wild and the schemes and the, the fiery darts of the evil one? So God, for us, His chosen people, has equipped us with everything we need for the battle. 
Just like the children of Israel, they're equipped with everything they need for the battle. And Goliath comes, and instead of taking what God had given them and, and running towards the battle, they're terrified. They're looking at the circumstances. Now, all of us have different Goliaths in our life. All of us probably have had fears and things that, that we've had to face, and maybe they intimidate us day after day after day. It's something that we don't necessarily like, we don't necessarily want, but, but it's there every day. It's just kind of haunting us. It's accusing us. It's making us feel miserable, and, and that's what fear does. So with that picture in our mind, that's what we see. <coughs> that's what we see happening here. And, and think about what happens when, when that, that feeling of, of accusation, that, uh, that fear of, of, of feeling miserable or intimidation day after day. Think of, think of some of the things. I wrote some of the things I think it does. I think we experience a lack of enthusiasm. Can you see that in the army? I mean, they, they, they're, they, they are not experiencing any enthusiasm anymore. They're, they're just, uh, they're, they're, they're not excited. They're, they're, not, they're not on purpose anymore because of their fear. It's robbed them of that enthusiasm. Uh, maybe, maybe it causes us to lose focus on our thoughts. We can definitely see that in this army, can't we? They, they kind of, they were unfocused and, and all they could think about was what they feared. So I think fear causes that in us, keeps us from interacting with others. You know, what happens when, we, when we're fearful a lot of times? We just want to be alone. We just want to kind of withdraw. And of course, we see this army, they're, they're just wanting to withdraw away from the battle. <coughs> Here's the next thing. I think, I think fear keeps us from getting things done. When we're, when we're consumed with fear... We don't get anything done. We, it kind of puts us on hold. It kind of puts us on the back burner. We can see this in this life. Here, here's something I think fear does too. Eventually, it turns us to ungodly behavior. You know, if you know folks that, that, that fear and, and they, they have this, this, this issue they're dealing with day after day after day and there's accusations day after day after day and they're feeling miserable day after day after day, at a certain point, they begin to look for other ways to get rid of the fear. We, we can say drugs or alcohol or eating or, or whatever it may be, pleasures. You know, we talked about Solomon and all the things that he looked at to, to fill those voids in his life. I think fear leads us to that point. Fear causes the health problems. Think about the anxiety and the, the strain it puts on our bodies. When we, when we have that fear that, 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 that is there, it causes tensions and, and it, it causes pressure. And I, one time I went to the, to the doctor and I don't worry. Very, I don't think I hardly ever worry, and, and I never have. And so the, the doctor said, are, are, you, are you under any kind of anxiety or, or any kind of pressure? And I said, no, I don't think so. And, and uh, Denise was in there with me, and I was young then. And uh, he said, well, you've got your fist drawn up. He said, you've had, it, you've had your fist drawn ever since you've been here. That, that means you've got some tension or something. You're... <laughs> I don't remember. We may have been fighting about something. I don't remember, but I don't think we were. But, uh, but, but what he said was, he said, you know, you, you got ten- tension. And, you know, if we have fear, sometimes we just, we just have tension. We just keep that tension. And because of that, it, it, causes, it causes pressure and it causes problems. You know, of course, with all that, it, it can come to that point of causing even premature death. So the, the, the biggest thing I think fear does is it chips away at our intimacy with God. Now I want you to think about this. The children of Israel, they're God's chosen people. 
Think about all God has done for His chosen people. Think about the places He's led them from captivity to the promised land. In the promised land, he, He's given them lands. He's given them, he's given them kingdoms. He's given them towns. They've had victory after victory after victory. And all of a sudden, because of this fear... They've lost that intimacy with God. They're having trouble seeing what God has done for them. They're having trouble remembering what God meant to them. And folks, I think when we put all that together in our lives, when we live in fear, in constant fear, I think we can see that, that some of those areas... It affects us in our daily life. So I'm sure we, we've probably all uh, know someone who's taken a, a medical journal out and they've read something or they've got online and they've read something and they, they look and they say, well, here's the symptoms, this, this, and this. And, and all of a sudden they've convinced themselves, I've got this. You know, I read this and I have this symptom and I have this symptom and I have this symptom and, and I feel this way. And what happens? You start convincing yourself, I got that. (laughs) Whatever it is, I must have it. It's right here on Wikipedia, and if it's on the computer, it's got to be true. So, so, you know, it's right here. And, And, you know, if you know someone like that, what happens? It begins to haunt them. It begins every day. They think about it. They, they think about what are the results are going to be, what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to my family, and all of these things. When all that was wrong with them, they ate a bad burrito the night before, you know, because they worry about those things, and they take those things, and they begin to apply them to our life. That's, that's what I say the problem with reading your horoscope is. Other than God says we shouldn't mess with that, you can take your horoscope every day. You can apply it to something in your life, can't you? Don't do it if you've never done it, but if you've ever done it and you read it and you go, huh, that happens. That happened to me. That happened to me too. So we can take anything in life and we can, we can take that and, and we can begin to fit it around us. And folks, if you know that person that's taking that medical journal and they, they all of a sudden they think they have all those things, what's the result? It affects their ministry. It affects their, their personality. It causes them to lose intimacy with God, with other people. It causes them to withdraw. It, it just consumes who they are by fear. Somebody told me one time that, that uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, I've got this and I've got that, and y'all keep telling me there's nothing wrong. I'm going to have on my tombstone, I told y'all I was sick. You know, and, uh, and so, so that's why some people feel, I've always got something wrong with me. And that may be a fear. So, so here's the first thing this morning as we get into our message, really. And don't worry, I'm on my last page of notes. So, so here it is, 2 Timothy 1.7. We need to remember this one thing today. If we don't remember anything else, and you're living with fear in your life, remember this, God is not the author of fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. So as God's children, He's not given us a spirit of fear. So if we're living with some kind of fear in our life, that's not from God. He's not given us that. And, and with that, and with that understanding, we need to say, okay, God, since you've not given me that spirit, what's causing this fear within me? When we identify that fear, when we say, okay, this is what's causing us that fear, that's how we can move forward. So how do we fight that fear? <coughs> I want to quickly go back to the story of David and Goliath. And, and as I said, most of you remember this. 
uh, from, cha- from verse 32 uh, all the way to the end of, of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see David goes out. He sees everybody standing. He hears Goliath over there on the other side of the valley hollering, and he, he talks to his brothers, and he says, Who is that guy over there? And what's he doing? And his brothers basically say, you need to shut up and go back home. You're just a kid. That's basically what they tell him. He said, well, what did the king say you got if you're defeated him? And they said, are you so cocky that you think you can come down here and fight a battle? You need to go back home. You're just a boy. You're just a child. And, and so, so we see that, and we see how David begins to move forward. And he begins to face that fear. He begins to face the fear that all of Israel had. <coughs> no one was willing to do that but David. And folks, I said just a second ago, for us, to, for us to address our fears, we need to realize what they are, and then we need to face those fears. You may watch a show on TV called Fear Factor. I don't like that show because I don't like to see people eating stinging scorpions and stuff. I mean, that just makes me sick. So I don't like the show, but, but what they take supposedly is they take six contestants and, and they find some fear or some phobia they have. And, and they say, well, for $50,000, if you can overcome your fears, we're going to, we're going to give you this check and you're going to be a winner of the game show. And, and so, so they, they, they have to admit hey, I have a fear of these things. And when they admit they have a fear of these things, they they begin to try to deal with those things. Well, we're not on a game show, and there's no $50,000 waiting for us at the the end of this, but, but fear is not pleasing to the Lord. And I hope that would be our motivating factor. Not that we've got a $50,000 check when we lay in a bathtub full of snakes, but to say, you know what? My fear is not pleasing God. And because my fear is unpleasing to God, what kind of spirit did He give us? Not a spirit of fear. Because my, my fear is unpleasing to God, that's going to motivate me to address it. That's going to motivate me to identify it. And that's going to motivate me to, to move forward spiritually. Because remember why we're doing this? Fear robs us of our joy. Fear causes all of those issues that we talked about a little bit more. So, so we don't want to live within those fears. So, so we identify those things. The important truth to remember is when we're facing our fears, we're not alone. And that's the second thing. We're not alone in our fears. Look at verse 34 through 37 if you're in 1 Samuel 17. And what, this, is what, this is what David did. Starting in verse 34... Well, let's start back in verse 33. Saul, Saul said to David, you're not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. and You're only a boy, and this man's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, folks, I want you to listen to what happens here. I've, I've read this. I've studied this. We've taught this in growing up in church. But only this morning, while I was rereading this scripture, did it kind of come to mind what really happened here. David, I've been out keeping my father's sheep, and a lion or a bear came and was going to carry a sheep from the flock. And I ran after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. Okay? Look what happened. Then it turned on me, and I seized it by the hair. And I struck it, and I killed it. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that more than just a story of David and Goliath? To see, David said, hey, (laughs) I love my sheep. 
And, and here came a lion, and it, it took one of them. And I went out, and I throwed a rock at it, and it dropped the sheep. But then it turned around, and it came towards me, and, and I grabbed it by its mane. And I struck it, and I fought it, and I killed it. And your servant has killed both the lion and both the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. You see what David did? David said, you know what? I remember having some giants. I remember a lion attacking the flock. I remember when that bear come down out of the mountains, and I remember going out, and, and I remember how God protected me, and I remember how God gave me the power to overcome, and, and I remember all of those things. And, and King Saul, I know that God will deliver me. I know that God will protect me. So as David identified the fear, the the giant Goliath, he said, I remember when I had these fears that God helped me in the past. And here's the third thing. Realize that we can't fight the world's way. We can't fight the phobias like those who'd say, well, this is what we need to do and and it's somebody else's fault and and it's the way you was raised or it's the things that you've learned or it's the things you've drawn up. That's the world's way. Look what happened here in verse 38. (laughs) So Saul said, okay, David, here's my tunic. Put on a coat of armor on him and this bronze helmet on his head and and David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. Y'all ever watched that movie Big with uh, that movie star in it, whoever he is, and Tom Hanks? And at the very end, when he turns back into a little boy, he's walking across the street and he's still got on that suit and it's dragging the ground, and the, the suit coat's down to here, and the tie's down to here, and, and he kind of looks back, you know, and, and it's a little boy in a man's clothing. And, and that was kind of the picture here. And, and when I look at David, it's what I think about. Here's this, here's this little boy, and the king puts all his armor on him, and, and David's, David said, I can't even walk around in this stuff. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them all off, and he took his staff in his hand, what God has given him. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in the pouch on his shepherd's bag. And in his sling and in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now drop down to verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, listen to this. When we're facing our fears... We've, we've identified them. We, we've identified them. We've realized God has helped us in the past. Look what David did. He said, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the God of these armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And not only that, look what he said. And this very day, the Lord is going to strike you down and he's going to give you over to me, and I'm going to cut off your head. (laughs) Now think about that. We're talking about fears. Realize we don't fight fears the world's way. We realize sometimes that our fears are are not against man all the way, but they're against against evil forces and against spiritual forces at work within this world today. That's what it says over in Ephesians chapter 6. So so when it comes to, to dealing with our fears, we need to say, hey, God has given me these resources. And we need to take not the world's way, but we need to take God's way, and we need to address those fears God's way. And here's the last thing. 
Verse 52, I love this story, of course. So do you. The Philistine laughed and said, Who, who am I, a dog? That you would send some kid out here to face me? Who, who do you think I am? Look at me, I'm a giant. I'm, a, I'm bigger than anything you have. My, your fears are great. And you're going to send some little kid out here? And look what David said. David did. It says, David ran at him. And he took hold of the Philistine sword and he drew it out of the scabbard and he killed him and he cut off his head. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and with a sword in his hand he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Let's back up some more. Verse 48, I think. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle and met him. Reaching to his bag, he got a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank inside his forehead, and he fell down face on the ground. See what David did? Here's the thing I want us to see. We need to rise up, and we need to move on. God had equipped David with just a, just a slingshot and some rocks. But you know what? It's all David needed. You know the problem when we do things man way? Who gets the credit? Man does. Because we figure out how to do our fears man's way, and God doesn't have a part in that. But when we do things God's way, and sometimes God's way are not the way we would do things, when we come through the battle, we can look back and say, okay, that's God's way, and God's going to get the credit for it. Think about this. For 40 days... Fear had paralyzed Israel's army. If we're somewhere in our life today and, and we're paralyzed by fear, what I want to say this morning is think about these things. We need to face that fear. We need to think about what God has done in the past. We need to look at the promises of God. We need to, we need to say, okay, God, you've given me some promises. Here's your way that I should face this fear. And then we need to get up and we need to move on. You know, we can't just stick our heads in the sand. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if fear is keeping us from being where God wants us to be and being who God wants us to be, we need to get up. We need to give it to God, and we need to move on. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that whatever giants we may be dealing with in our life, Lord, I pray that we today would just identify those things. And there, there's so many fears out there, and they're real fears. But so many times there's fears that we can't do anything about. We have no control over them. The doctor says this, and, and now we have a fear. But, Father, I pray that we'll know that we have a loving Savior. We have a loving Father. Father, I pray that we'll know that you've, you helped us in the past. And, and, Father, for each one of us, we can look back and say, I remember I had that fear, I had this problem, I had this issue, and Boy, the way I never thought of it, God came through. I pray, Lord, that we would remember those things. Lord, also I pray that uh, we would just know that, that you've given us a way that we can fight fear. And we, we find that in your blessings. We find that in your word. We know today, whatever happens, there's always a better day tomorrow. And, Father, ultimately, in all eternity. And, Father, I pray that we wouldn't allow our fear to lock us up in our house and withdraw from folks and, and just sit and wait. I pray, Father, we'd run face on to our fear, we'd give it to you, and we'd get back in the game of life, we'd get back in, in the battle, that we'd be productive for you and that we would find joy.
Lord, I pray that we wouldn't allow fear, that we wouldn't allow Satan, that we wouldn't allow distraction to rob us of our joy. But, Father, we would find joy in you, and our joy would be complete. Lord, I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.